0: Welcome to the Vine Church TC Community Podcast. This is Jamie Jones, your host, and I am so excited to share with you conversations with people right here in our very own community. I hope this brings us all closer together and reaffirms to each listener that you belong. So, getting to have these conversations with people in the Tri Cities that are involved in nonprofit ministry. It has just been so fun for me, and I love being able to share these conversations with you. Today, I am talking to the Executive Director of the Tri-Cities Union Gospel Mission, Andrew Porter. I hope you enjoy. It's been really fun starting this podcast and um, getting to know people in our community, including right. different nonprofits that are just doing some amazing things. So I can't wait to hear more about the Union Gospel Mission. But first, I would just love to hear a little bit about you and what role you play in the Union Gospel Mission.
1: Okay. Um, Well, I'm the executive director. That means I'm responsible for everything that happens at the mission. I oversee uh, everything. I do have, you know, people that, directors that run departments and then Somebody under me that sees them, and I, I do probably have about six or seven direct reports, but, uh, but I have, you know, we have a structure in place, so um, there's no way uh, one person could cover the ground uh, of all the things that we're doing here at the mission. So it's very nice. It hasn't always been that way, um, and so over the years we've been able to add staff, which means we can minister more to people. So. Um, but I, I oversee the, uh, entire organization. I answer to the board, I'm their employee. And then everybody, uh, that works for us is under me. So a lot of responsibility, but it's also, uh, you know, something God's called me to. So I'm happy to to be here.
0: Mm -hmm. And are you from this area originally or where are you from? Uh,
1: Well, I've lived here 11 years. My wife and I and our sons moved here in 2009 and uh, originally we're from the everett area so my wife and i uh have lived most of our side on the west uh, most of our lives on the west side of the mountains Mm
0: -hmm.
1: so it's uh there's some really nice things about it over here we don't uh, have nearly the rain that we had there so um and we love the community it's a smaller slower paced um community there's a lot of good things here that we enjoy wouldn't want to go back
0: <laughs> no so, yeah. well it's good it's good to have you here so you've been have you been involved so you said you've been here for 11 years how long have you been involved yes. then with the
1: 11 uh, years okay I, 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 yeah okay yeah I, so, I, so that's why I came over here to to
0: work at the mission okay so tell me a little bit about the mission, and the mission of the mission.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, well, our mission, and I, I, I'm going to read it to you, uh, something that we wrote, uh, three or four of us got together, um, some board members and I. and uh, The mission is Tri-City Union Gospel Mission is a Christ-centered organization desiring to see homeless, hopeless, and hurting people in our community become transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. We serve all who God brings our way and do so with love, compassion, and urgency as we see them experience lasting change through our rescue, recovery, and restoration programs. So that's really the the, the core mission of uh, uh, the organization.
0: Mm-hmm. So what is the history then? When did it, when did it get started?
1: So I'll give you a little background about that. Um, probably starting around the 1890s, late 1800s, uh, the turntable for the railroad was put out here in Pasco, which meant that goods that were being manufactured back in the Midwest uh, had uh, were now able to be come this way west. And from Pasco, they could be, turned you know, up and down the west coast. So there was a turntable here that, that linked different cities along the coast. Um, and so it really became a, a railroad town back then. And so uh, actually a lot of people wouldn't know that this is early history at Pasco. And during the depression for about 15 months, they had a federal homeless camp here in Pasco. And during that 15 months, they saw over 43,000 men come through that camp looking for work during the depression and so um that kind of uh it became um once that was gone pasco along the railroad tracks uh became what they was known as a hobo camp because people traveled through and uh, a lot of people stayed out men mostly just stayed out along the tracks and camp so in the uh, 40s and 50s there was a lot of that as pasco was uh, growing um, and uh, some leaders in the community decided that uh, well in 1954 the an organization called the pasco mission developed and it was down on first and lewis and it was basically just a soup kitchen so guys that were living out along the tracks could come in and get something to eat because what I think what was happening is a lot of men were coming into town begging or looking for work or just some way to feed themselves. So that's re- really how we started. And then in 19, uh, around 1958, um, some of the leaders in the community decided that we needed a place um, to sleep uh, men that were living along the tracks. Uh, so provide more than just food. So they found a, a, a you know, and they really have to rent uh, I wasn't born yet. And probably a lot of us that are listening and weren't born at that time, but Pasco was like the hub of activity. It was the place where you went in the 50s and 60s. If you wanted to go shopping, there were department stores, the restaurants, all that kind of stuff. So if you wanted to go buy clothes, you came to downtown Pasco. It's quite different today, but so it, it was a very thriving business community. So Um, In 1958, some leaders in the community, they found a building uh, for $25,000 and uh, were able to raise about $500 and they bought the building with $500 down and paid it off in payments uh, for 10 years. And so that was the beginning of, and they incorporated into the Tri-City Union Gospel Mission. So that was our, really the beginning of the Tri-City Union Gospel Mission, where we started. And we've come a long ways over the decades, so we've been around a long time.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: uh, in two thousand December of two thousand eighteen, uh, we we spent seven years uh, working towards a project because the community since those, those that time that we started has probably grown six, seven times the mm-hmm. amount of people, and so the need has increased. So when I came here, God laid it on my heart that we needed to to build a new facility to, to um, provide for the future of this ministry here. And so amazingly enough, God provided along the way. It wasn't easy, but um, he was in it the whole way, and I know his hand. And so we were able to open a brand-new 40,000-square-foot building down here in Pasco uh, in December of 2018. So, and I would recommend anybody that wanted to come down, you know, call and do a tour because I think uh, you'd be amazed at what happens here in lives that are being changed because of the ministry here.
0: Well, I would love to, because I had seen it in the past, but I didn't even realize there was this new building. So that's just awesome. And I'd love to hear more about that. But before we go into some of that can you just tell me what the core values are of can i is, do you guys refer to yourselves as ugm ever or do you uh, yeah well a city, we're, we're part of an
1: association we're loosely associated um so back when the mission started uh, we became part of the international Unigospel gospel missions um, today it's called city gate network but it's a it's a, an association we're all individually run um, have our own local board members. We have to raise our own funds. We don't, we don't pay it, you know, send money upstairs to anybody. Um, but it's a, it's a, an association of Christian missions across the country. We have about 300 missions nationwide. We're all kind of do the same thing and it helps us to come together and share our resources and our knowledge. Um, we have all kinds of sizes of missions across the country. Um, so I, as far as our core values, uh, we have six core values. Um, there are plenty of other things that we live by, but these are six that we identified. Number one is to glorify God in all that we do. And that's so important, um, to place service before self, to practice integrity in all things, to er- to do everything with utmost excellence, To to feed and care for the poor, and to fulfill the great commission of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is why we're here, primarily. That's at the core of everything we do. It's, a, it's about the gospel. We love to feed and house people, but the gospel is primarily why we exist.
0: Mm-hmm. So tell me what ways uh, the Union Gospel Mission is serving the Tri-Cities. What are the community needs that are, that you guys are addressing?
1: Okay, so we do um, we do have facility for women and children, and we have a facility for men. And uh, both of those facilities, of course, we we take people in off the streets that are homeless. Most people that come in have nowhere to go. Um, I'll kind of run you through the three R's if I can. Kind of the model of how we operate. Yes, um, please. And I, we just call them the three R's: the rescue, recovery, and restoration, and I refer to those in our. And our mission statement. Um, so when somebody comes in out the street uh, and wants, uh, you know, a place to stay, and, and and usually they're thinking about things that we don't normally don't. We just kind of take for granted. You know, where am I going to sleep tonight? Um, often there might be a woman and her children sleeping in a car. Could be a man sleeping out somewhere outside. Um, who knows? Uh, we, we get a diverse uh, population of people that come to us and, and it's amazing once you get to know some of these people, their stories and, and the lives they've lived. But uh, they typically they come in, they have very little, um, they have no way to eat, nowhere to sleep. So shelter, food, showers, you know, clean clothes, those are all things that we all need. So those are the basic necessities in our life. So when they come in, they don't have to worry about those things anymore. We provide those in our rescue ministry. So they check in, they're, they're given a bed. Um, we have you know showers, clothes, they're fed three meals a day. and um, But it doesn't stop there. I mean, that's kind of the old days, all we could do way back in the 50s and 60s and stuff, but we've come a long ways. And so what, what we've done is we provide people a 90-day emergency stay. And that's so we can kind of prompt them to, to kind of take some responsibility and accountability for their, for their lives. So sometimes people can come in and um, get themselves turned around, but most of the time they need help. So we give them 90 days, and at which at any point, by the time that 90 days is up, they, uh, they can come into one of our two programs. So one of them is a re- drug and alcohol recovery program. 25 to 30% of the people that come in our doors, um, their problems really stem from addiction. So we have a program that addresses that. It's a Christian program at the heart of it. Um, we teach uh, relapse prevention. And there, there's, there's spiritual classes, there's life skills classes that go along with that. But we work with them um because the biggest thing we see is people get clean and then they relapse so we try to help them to avoid that and then if they do relapse how to just pick up and you know not get mired down in that so we offer that um but like i said majority of the people that come in our doors um aren't addicted to drugs or alcohol another uh second population um it, it come in they have uh Health issues, and that's equally as big as drug or alcohol. A lot of times, people—I um, mean, can—we've seen everything. We've seen cancer complications from diabetes. People that have lost limbs—it's not easy for them to go out and work. There are a lot of people, 55 to 65, and even older. We've seen many people that come into the mission that are even in their 80s. It's not so easy for them to go out and get a job, especially if they're they have medical or even mental issues, and so. Um, One of the other program that most people would go into is our case management program, where they sit down with a case worker. We have thirteen different areas that we've identified that uh, help uh, that keep people homeless. They're obstacles to getting back on their feet, and so you know, there's the obvious ones. They need employment. Um, they need uh, they have financial issues. That uh, could be education, could be health. Um, A lot of different things. So they will sit down and work with the caseworker. They'll pick out three of those areas that they need most. And then the caseworker will set goals with them, a long term goal. And then they break them into weekly goals. And as long as they go out or they're doing the things that they need to do um, in those areas, the stay is unlimited because they're working to get back on their feet. And some people, it takes longer than others. You know, uh, mm-hmm. some guy might go out and get a job in two days, but another person it might take them six months. So as long as they're becoming accountable and responsible for their lives, then they they're, they're, there's no limit on the stay. But that also um, helps us to keep from enabling people because there's often people that once they get in the mission, they would rather not do anything they've given up or you know life's gotten hard but we come alongside them and say we're gonna we're gonna help you all along the way to get back on your feet and it may take a while but we're gonna show you how so that's that's a program that uh, we've added in the last couple years probably two three years ago and uh, that's been a great success also the people that come out of the recovery program our new life program Towards the end of that, they start working with the caseworkers to start addressing some of the issues that they'll need to to do to get on their feet. And then, of course, so the rescue, the recovery is when they get in these programs and and they start getting their lives turned around. And ultimately, the restoration is getting them settled back out in the community where they're able to sustain themselves and become a productive citizen again in our community and we've mm-hmm. seen it happen over and over. Mm-hmm. So it's amazing. Uh, and a lot of people don't realize that's what we do down here. That's a, a big part of our model for, for helping people. So
0: That's awesome. So how, what is the capacity and, and how many people have you, do you see um, on a regular basis?
1: Um, so our, our uh, women and children's capacity is 32. Um, women and children can stay in the shelter uh we're currently getting ready to do a remodel where we'll be able to add 15 more beds and some more bathrooms there um the men have 168 beds however during covid we've had to reduce our capacity um just for social distancing reasons so that's made it difficult Uh, um we are seeing less people come to us in a sense um, uh, you know, because a lot of people, I think, are afraid to to go into a mission, or you know. Um, but we've we've had to reduce to about half uh, of that. Um, now, if a if a family could come in and stand in an entire room, a mother and children, then we just count that as one um, because they're able to use that room together. If you have separate people, then we kind of have to. You know, families are able to stay together, so it could be a little bit more than that, but. Uh, um, so that's that's been kind of a hindrance. We have seen a huge increase in the number of meals that we've served. We've probably served almost twenty twenty thousand more meals at the by the end of August than we did at this point last year. Um, so we saw a big increase. Uh, part of what we've been doing every day at lunch and dinner is uh, giving um, to-go meals, um, hot to-go meals, to people in the community that that come to us, and that's at uh, eleven thirty and. Four thirty, people can come and get a to-go meal, and then at dinner we also generally will will usually give them some breakfast items for the next morning because mm-hmm. we don't we don't do the breakfast to go, but we just serve the people that are staying in our shelter.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow, so so I, obviously the pandemic has created some additional challenges for for everyone in our society, but yes. um, I'd love to hear about the challenges or hurdles that that you face as an organization sort of in, in regular times and then now?
1: Right. Um, I think regular times, um, it's just, uh, you know, kind of keeping focused on what we're doing. You know, we have, we have a total of 28 employees. When I started here, I was number 10. And it's just finding and and keeping good people. Um, And it takes a heart for this. It's not as easy as people might think. And so when I usually, if I interview people, I want them to be aware you're working sometimes with some really hard people, you know, that are coming off the streets that, you know, just giving them a a pair of clothes and a a meal is not, you know, there are times that there's some pretty, I don't know how to describe it, some tough people. And so, but God loves those people. And so it's remaining focused on, you know, when, when I know when God saved me, I didn't deserve it. Right. And so we, we need to take that, that same outlook on people that come out our doors, despite how offensive they might be. Uh, You know, we were offensive to God when we were in our sin and, um, and God still loved us and still gave us a chance. So. It's, it's just keeping that focus um, because it, it becomes difficult, especially over time for people. So part of that is just trying to come together as, as team leaders and as a staff and praying and, uh, and, and, and talking together and up, uplifting each other. Um, it's, it's quite a different than working in a factory or, or something like that. You're dealing with people. Some people are very pleasant and some aren't. And so, you you know, there's a lot of good things that happen here. We've seen people that came in very hardened and very tough and very foul and leave the joy of the Lord in their heart, you know. And that's that's an amazing thing to see. And
0: mm-hmm. that's what
1: keeps it. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: so I, it sounds like um, uh, one of the hurdles is – just uh, perseverance and. In, yes. In, and in the face focused
1: of. Focused on the ministry, right?
0: Yeah, in the face of just hard, hard circumstances and hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, as far
1: as the, the COVID goes, um, it was a little tougher in the beginning because I think that it was that way for everybody because this was completely new and it seemed like every time we turned around, you know, whatever was coming out in the media, whether it's from the governor or the health departments and stuff like that, we were constantly trying to work to adapt to that in our situation, because we could have a hundred men in our building that we're serving and you know have a, a full shelter of women and children. And and so how does that work? And of course, you know, if how do we protect our staff? Because if they go down, what are we gonna do? We can't, you know, we have to keep the doors open. And so there was a lot of that. So, you know, we, we, we really put some things in place to make sure that we were sanitizing, being as safe as possible, you know, wearing masks, gloves when appropriate, um, and just keeping that distance. So, uh, in the end we had to reduce our capacity was the only way that we could do that.
0: Yeah.
1: So it's worked out and, uh, you know, I think like most people we've kind of gotten used to, uh, you know, um. Because we've been doing it seems like a long time, but we have you know we do take temperatures when people come in that kind of stuff. It's not completely foolproof, but uh, you know we're doing everything we can to to keep our staff and uh, and our clients safe.
0: Yeah. So is the Union Gospel Mission Mich- the Tri Cities Union Gospel Mission? Um, I think you mentioned it being a community supported. Yes. Nonprofit, so uh so that means funding and all of that is from our local community for the most part or
1: yes a hundred percent of everything we do is provided by the community here Uh, we don't uh, receive any kind of government funding whether it's local state or federal um which is fine um we're a Christian organization. So, uh, sometimes that, that could pose problems. I have seen some missions that have, you know, gone the route of taking some uh, governmental funds and it's come back to bite them as a Christian organization. So we, we want to stay autonomous or, you know, um, uh, a Christian organization. So, and it's not like the government's trying to give us money, but, uh, we're, you know, th- this community has been amazing. Um, it seems like all the time, and I know God lays it on their hearts. There are people in the community that He lays on their hearts, and, and it seems like our needs are always met.
0: Mm, that's so awesome. So, do you have a personal story of how being involved in the mission has impacted your life? And I would love to hear about your why. Why are you a part of this?
1: Right. Well, um, so early in life, back in the 1970s and 80s, I w- became, uh, before I was saved in 1989, I was, uh, I got into drugs and alcohol myself and ultimately in the mid 1980s, uh, became homeless. And, uh, So I lived the life, I I actually hitchhiked all over the country and slept outdoors most of the time, but I did stay in missions. And there was a few times I actually stayed in this mission down here in the 1980s, amazingly enough. Um, It wasn't until probably um, around, you know, well, and I got to say, in 1990, um, after I got saved, I started a, a street ministry in Seattle and it was basically me and one other person um, would go down and hand out sack lunches we would take uh, new testaments and we always went and collected as many socks as we could because i realized as a homeless person how important socks and underwear were because when you're walking around a lot you're always on your feet Your, your feet get really bad and sweaty and stuff so uh, and then um, at other times would go out uh, just kind of one-on-one and you might see somebody in a doorway and just try to talk to them, hand them a lunch um, and uh, a Bible or a track or something. And that's kind of how it started. And then I got married in 1994. Um, my wife at the time that I was doing the street ministry, she was, I, I was just dating her then. And so she was uh, in her senior year of, uh, of uh, college and uh, working full time. And so she couldn't go with me, but um, she would bake cookies and stuff to put in the lunches. So in 1994, we got married and life kind of took me a different direction and I uh, always had a heart. We supported uh, our local missions and, and helped with uh, not just the mission, but other places, dom- domestic violence shelters and places like that that you know we had a heart for. Uh, and then it was about probably around 2008. I started to feel the call of God in my life, and uh, He opened up an opportunity here at this mission. And uh, you know, I, we lived all our lives. Our kids were in school, and we were in a great church over on that side. But uh, um, we, my wife and I, knew that you know had prayed about it and knew that that this is what God wanted from us. And so. And uh, so glad that we followed his lead. Um, So he's given us purpose in life. My wife also works here at the mission. So that's a blessing. So uh,
0: Absolutely.
1: But uh, that's what it kind of stems out of. Um, It's amazing when I look back how God took all that uh, experience during that time. And and he's really developed me as a person uh, to be able to run a business. But there's also having, as a leader, having that heart for the people because I need my people that are working under me, the people that God's put there, to be able to have that same heart for the people that come under doors.
0: You know, Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, that's 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 a big part of when we hire people is just looking at, you know, their heart towards homeless people and stuff. Mm -hmm. But uh, that's kind of where my my uh, my uh affinity to to homeless people came from and you know they're just like you and i most most people i've i've honestly been amazed at i've seen people i've, I've actually had people that uh i i'm just thinking of a guy now that grew up um very impoverished in mexico um him and his, you know, he was the kind of guy that you would see on a commercial that had a bloated stomach as a child in the dump looking for food and, uh, all the way to, uh, I've had people with PhDs from out at Hanford, um, that ended up homeless, believe it or not. And, and plenty of people with masters are very good job pipe fitters. Uh, and a lot of times it's been alcohol or drugs and or both, um, For some reason that, or it could be health, um, that they ended up getting to the point of being homeless, um, come through the mission. And uh, so the the people that come in our doors are just like the rest of us. You know, Mm -hmm. they're people. They just don't have a place. And so we become their home for Mm -hmm. a time.
0: Mm -hmm. That's so awesome. I love the story of just how God used that season of your life for good and continues to use that. Yeah. Um, That's just such a cool story. So do you have, you probably have lots and lots of stories, but um, if you could share a story of how someone else's life has been impacted by the Union gospel mission, I'd love to hear that.
1: Sure. And you're right there. um, It's, you know, there's a lot of people that come at our doors, but, uh, but there, there are some very memorable ones. Um, there's a guy that works for us now that came in several years ago, a meth addict, and uh, really messed up. And he ended up joining our new life program, our recovery program. And uh, it takes about 13 months if you do everything on, on a time schedule to get through that program. And uh, he did that and he continued to stay on the mission because we don't, once you graduate, you don't, we, we want to get people prepared. So often that means um, getting getting a job, saving up some money to get out, and making sure that you're stable before we put you out there because they have a big investment once they've graduated, and so do we and them. So we don't want to put them in any situation when they're not ready yet. But uh, Mm -hmm. he continued to stay at the mission. Um, And so I saw something in him, and I I decided that I I would offer him a part-time job. And so he started working for us. He's worked for us a couple years, maybe closer to three. And uh, this um, probably about six months ago, I needed somebody that could be uh, oversee our rescue department. And I saw a lot of things in him that I, I, I thought he could do it. He was still a little bit green. Um, but in talking to a couple of our other uh, directors uh we decided to move forward and offer that job and he's done an amazing job. So it's taken several years to where he's at now and we're helping him. I have, um, one of our, uh, staff that's in his sixties, he used to be a pastor mentoring him every week and helping him to grow and mature in the Lord and uh, also in his, just his life. So, um, but that's, you know, that's, a, a, a one story that I see every day. Um, yeah. I've had actually a few times that that's happened, you know, um, and so, um, but there's, there's a lot of stories of, of just, some. we had a young man that recently, or graduated uh, earlier this year, and he finally uh, moved back with some of his family back east, but uh, he came in here, he was messed up on drugs, he was a young Hispanic man. Had been into gangs, uh, he was having some mental health issues and stuff. And uh, I've just a, it's hard to explain what God did in his life, you know. And, and when he left here, he you know, he, he had the Lord in him, sound mind, and uh, God just really, I mean, you could see the difference in him, his whole attitude changed, and and we see that fairly often, you know. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of there's there along the way too, I have to throw in the other side. There are a lot of disappointments and, and, uh, but I've often, you know, we see people that I've, I've seen guys coming in and out of the mission, um, that have been coming in and out off and on for eight, 10 years. And I've had a couple that over the la- since we've been in this new building that, um, never did want to come in. They would come for food or to get a shower or something like that. And one of them, uh, recently, uh, this, since we've been open, finally came in, um, uh, and, and got his life turned around and went through our program. So, um, it was amazing that, that he finally got to, he was like late fifties. I don't remember exactly how old, but, uh, decided, you know, something got a hold of him and he said, I, I, he didn't, he didn't want to live like that anymore. So he knew the mission was there. He was familiar with it, but so sometimes it takes people a while, you know, Right. They might come in and they're not ready, but, uh, we always, you know, open our arms to them whenever they do come back or, or whatever. So, um, wow.
0: What a wonderful ministry. So what are some ways that people can support the union gospel mission and what you're doing?
1: Um, well, the biggest way would be financially, um, to give a financial gift, uh, we rely on gifts from the community and donations um, that's how we operate um, so we need to be able to you know pay our staff um, even though some most a lot of them are very underpaid and uh, uh, also be able to, to pay the bills you know, we're just like uh, just like anybody's home but much bigger so everybody understands utility bills and the cost of operating in a home and uh, And then also uh, providing some of our needs, um, which on our website, there's a needs page, uh, and we try to keep that updated. So anything that um, a family might use at home, um, we could use that, the support, uh, in lieu of uh, financial gifts. Um, And sometimes it's just the simple things like uh, salt or sugar or things like that that people don't think um, that you know, oh yeah, we use that stuff at home, or it could be flour, or just things so we can cook meals, or mm-hmm. or clothes, mm-hmm. um, we have clothing rooms for all the people that stay with us, so we make sure that they have uh, suitable clothes, um, and clean clothes, uh, so we do a lot of laundry, um, towels, uh, just anything you'd probably see around your home, mm-hmm. um, We we use here, and go through things like that, mm-hmm. socks, so- underwear,
0: do you have, you said you do have a list on your website of specific yes. needs? Okay. All right. And so what yeah, if somebody. So I
1: called like, oh, sorry. I think it's called like an urgent needs list or immediate needs list or something. I'd have to look on there, but it. Okay. you'll be able to see it. It's under ways to give on our website.
0: Okay. So ways to give. And what is the first step if somebody wanted to, um, not only support um, in one of those ways, but what if they wanted to become involved? Yes. What, um, what does that look like?
1: So they, that you would also go to our website. Um, the website is tcugm.org. And there's a whole page on volunteering. Um, so there's a few links. One of those links is an application. And so you would fill out that application online and submit it right there electronically. And that will go to our volunteer coordinator. And uh, she would reach out to you by phone or email or both. Um, And I, I will say right now, we're just starting to try to ramp up our volunteers again. We went through a period there where we didn't have any volunteers. A lot of our volunteers sometimes are older, but especially for during the first couple months of COVID, we really were concerned about keeping volunteers safe. Um, mm-hmm. so we, we are starting to bring back volunteers now, uh, on a regular basis. So, um, you know, so you would just go on a the website, uh, there, there is some information, there's an opportunity, a link for an opportunity pages for what things we need right now. Um, our volunteer handbook, uh, so you would apply on there, um, and usually uh, she will get back to you within a few days, and then they would start off coming in for an orientation and a short tour of the mission. So they get to take a look at, uh, you know, get, get to know a little bit about the mission mm-hmm. and then an orientation, and then that's they start working with, uh, you know, depending on your schedule, when you're available and what's open, you know, find a way to, to get you involved.
0: Okay. That sounds great. And what about, I I know you mentioned early on, um, right at the beginning of our conversation about touring. So is it, is that a a possibility for people who are interested to to actually see with their own eyes, where are you located and how would somebody go about um, experiencing
1: that? So our new facility is uh, on 4th, 4th Avenue. i was trying to think of a street or Avenue, but 4th Avenue and Pasco is mm-hmm. 221 South 4th Avenue in Pasco. And uh, it's right downtown. Um, the best way to do would be to call, uh, and set up a tour. Um, we have, uh, probably three or four people that do the tours, uh, including myself. Um, I w- wasn't actually able to do them the last month or so because of my knee operation, but, um, but we love to do tours because um, you know most people have a kind of an idea what the mission is all about, but we try to really lay it out and uh, and show you um, and and you see the people if I'm fortunate while I'm giving a tour, I often am able to stop somebody and just say, hey, can you give us a two te- two minute testimony of what God's doing in your life and so Um, but just to be able to see and actually be there and see it, I think really, uh, most people go, wow, at the end of it, almost always, even when we were in our old building, um, Mm -hmm. people usually at the end, they go, wow, I did not realize you get, you guys did so much.
0: So is that old building still a part of the Union Gospel Mission? Is it still being used or not yet? It
1: isn't, um, we actually, well, I, I, wanted to donate it to another ministry uh, a new upcoming ministry but their board and our board decided ten dollars so there is um a new ministry uh refurbishing that building right now it's for uh uh, for women and it's um called grace kitchen and so they will be once it's open they kind of got slowed down or they would have been open already because of the COVID, but um but they will be training women, uh, for jobs. They, I think they actually have enough funds to hire three women right now once they open. And, uh, but they'll also be training women. So they, they, they're modeled after a, uh, uh, an agency up in Spokane called Christ kitchen. And, uh, they've been around about 20 years and they, they, uh, produce products that you can find like in yolks and some of the grocery stores, they might be like little soup mixes or, uh, a variety of package type foods that they produce. Oh, and they awesome. also have like a cafe bistro also up there. And so a lot of these women learn, you know, really what they're, what they try to do is uh, to empower women and get them off. You know, their goal is some, you know, help some of these women that are, that are being um, supported by the government and uh, to help them to get back on their feet. So they're self-sustaining. And so uh-huh. that should be open some point this year, I think.
0: That sounds awesome. I'll have to contact them and ask them if they'd be interested in, in coming on this podcast as well. Cause I love to create as much awareness as possible about different, you know, different Uh, groups that are doing such awesome work. If you email me
1: afterwards, I'll I'll send you uh, the ladies, uh, the executive director for that. Uh, She, I know she'd be happy to come on.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. So, I think that's all the questions that I have for you um, except for the very last one, which is, what is one thing that's bringing you joy right now?
1: Uh, I know it sounds simple, but um, the idea that God loves me and is has a purpose for me in this life brings me all the joy uh, in my life because I've, you know, I've lived life and uh, um, before here and and without God and knowing, you know, what God's done in my life and given me a purpose and that he could love someone like me. I mean, it's perpetual joy. I mean, it sounds simple, but it's just uh, when I reflect on it, you know, we don't always think about those things, but when I reflect on it, um, I'm i just you know it, it's amazing that and i think a lot of us identify with that that god could love us and so much and then the idea that he had something in my life for me to do um, just amazes me keeps, you know and i'm i'm i you know i'm not saying life is always easy but to know that you know you can go through all kinds of hardships and things and tough times when you know god is behind you and that he's called you to something so
0: Um, it
1: gives you you a lot of hope and joy.
0: Absolutely. That's, that's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing a little bit about your personal journey and how that's, you know, being used in this current role. It's just, it's very inspirational and encouraging. So thank you for sharing and thank you for taking the time to come on this podcast and, and share about the union gospel mission. I'm, I'm going to set up a tour for myself because I want to see that new facility for sure.
1: Absolutely. No, I appreciate you having me on. I, I love to talk about the mission. Um, it's my life and uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a joy to talk about and show people what we're doing.
0: Yeah. Such a, such a need in our community. And um, it's just wonderful to know that, that, you're there. I mean, I personally have had a friend that, that needed a place and, and you guys were there. I mean, that made a huge difference in her life. And so, um, thank you.
1: Yep. You're, you're certainly welcome.
0: All right. Well, i look forward to
1: seeing you someday for a tour.
0: Okay. (laughs) I would love that. And I hope your knee heals quickly.
1: Okay, thank you.
0: (laughs) All All right. I'll talk to you later. Thanks so much, Andrew. Bye bye. Bye bye. I hope you enjoyed listening to this conversation. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss any of these stories that help us connect with each other right here in the Tri Cities.